Well, welcome to Palm Vista Community Church as we continue our series in Peter's first letter to the suffering Christians in modern day Turkey. The title of our series is Living as Suffering Saints for God's Promised Glory. And our text this morning is in 1 Peter chapter 3 verses 1 to 7. 1 Peter chapter 3 verses 1 to 7. And in this chapter is contained a Mother's Day blessing. In fact, that's what we've entitled this message, a Mother's Day blessing, a Mother's Day blessing. So please turn to 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 to 7. If you need a Bible, we have some back here on the table. And as you turn to 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 to 7, let me, let me ask God on our behalf, God the Holy Spirit, to come and to bless the reading of his word, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 to 7. Lord, I pray as folks are turning right now, Lord, as they're grabbing their Bibles, as they're grabbing their electronic devices, that you would bless the reading of your word, that it would give us life, that your word would nourish famished souls, that your word would set the captives free. Father, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives, when they see their respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands... Live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. My wife loves to dance, and for that reason I have, on two different occasions, set up a series of date nights around dancing lessons. If you know me, you know that I do not dance as well as my Cuban parents danced. Don't ask me why, the jeans just didn't come down. And so on one of those occasions, I took her to uh, a restaurant here in Hialeah, and we learned how to dance salsa in a very particular way. It's called La Rueda de Casino. La Rueda de Casino, dale. (laughs) Guapela. And that, this is a, a way of dancing the salsa that is a, a several couples dance in a choreographed manner around the circle. Rueda means circle. And it really was developed in Cuba in the 1950s. So there's many styles of salsa. We went to this first style of, of salsa in La Rueda. And so the first thing you do is you listen to the salsa instructor. And typically she tells you two things and tells it to you very loudly and strongly. Afterwards, after all, this is Hylia and these are Cuban women. I'm Cuban, I can say that, all right? Don't look at me like that. My mom's Cuban. And so she would say two things. Here's the deal. You ready? You want to dance salsa? 
in La Rueda, you got to know two things. Number one, she looks at all the guys and says, men, you must lead. Women, you must follow. It doesn't work if the man doesn't lead and the woman doesn't follow. And then number two, you have to pay attention to someone called the caller. This is the person in La Rueda that's calling all the moves. This is the person that's setting the pace, all right? So if everybody follows these instructions, men you lead, women you follow, and everybody listens to the caller and obeys their commands. For example, the caller will begin. They taught us the very basic move of La Rueda. It's called guapea. Guapea is just the basic move, the steps of the salsa, okay? So you come back like this, you come back like this, and they, they teach you that. As you can tell, I didn't learn very well. So we, for some of us guys, we're spending hours learning that. Desi is like patiently, lovingly laughing with me, at me. We're laughing at each other. And what's so good about this is you're there with a bunch of teenage boys who are with their abuelitas learning how to dance la salsa. You're there with a bunch of people that are getting ready for a quinceañera, right? Ladies, you've had a quinceañera where all the guys who are horrified of dancing have to learn how to dance and all the girls are giggling, laughing at them. So it's, it's really a fun family atmosphere. And then you got left-footed husbands like me who love their wives that are trying to learn how to dance and the wife's having a blast and the husband's going, when does the heat game start tonight? And so once you learn that guapea, which is the basic, the base step to salsa with the man leading, the woman following, once you learn that step, okay, then from that step, you can start doing all the other steps. For example, al medio, which when you're a circle and everybody kind of points to the middle, they shout al, al medio. And then, uh, and then at a certain point, one guy will say, buya, which means sound. And everybody shouts, yeah. And, you know, I shout off and everybody, you know, but eventually at the end of the night, it's kind of cool. Or or they'll shout, cucaracha, cucaracha. And that's where everybody stops. What are you doing? You're killing the cucaracha. You're killing the the roach, okay? (laughs) There was one called dile que no, dile que no, which is sort of a cross body lead. Yeah, I said it, but I have no idea how to do it. And then the last one is enchufla. Enchufla is when you, you step back, you kind of pull your partner through, and then, you know, and it's, just, it's a wonderful night. You learn the terms. You learn everything. But here's the deal. You ready? The man leads, the woman follows, or it doesn't work, and everybody listens to what the caller is saying. And, and, and that's what's happening in this text. See? When the man leads, the woman follows, and everybody's following what the caller is calling out. It is a beautiful dance. If you've ever seen a movie called Dance With Me, there's a scene that they're dancing together. It's absolutely amazing. It's beautiful. If you've ever been to a party and seen people dance this, it's beautiful. My parents used to be able to dance unbelievably. It was beautiful. Okay? It's not as beautiful sometimes when my wife and I dance. (laughs) I'm stepping on her toe. I'm sorry, honey. (laughs) I did an enchufla when I should have done a uh, al medio (laughs) <laughs> but but first Peter 3, 1 through 7 is the beautiful dance between a husband and a wife. It, it's look, here's the deal. God designed men and women, a husband and a wife, to be together in a beautiful dance where the man leads and the woman follows. And when two people know how to dance this dance, they are of one mind. The man anticipates where he will lead the woman, and the woman anticipates where she will be led, and it is beautiful. In fact, this beautiful dance is recorded in Scripture for us. It's recorded in Scripture for us in Genesis chapter 2 on the screen. 
Genesis chapter 2, verse 22. We see the very first dance at the very first wedding when God the Father presented his daughter Eve to, to, to Adam. And they danced this dance. Listen to it with me. Genesis 2, 22. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this is at last bone of my bones. Actually, he said, whoa, but this is what scripture records. This is at last bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, here's the dance, folks. It's a nice dance. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. It was a beautiful ceremony. It was a beautiful dance. Until they stopped listening to the caller. Until the caller, the one that was determining the dance, said, go left, and they went right. And they said, you know what, God? I prefer being you than worshiping you. And Adam and Eve said, I'm not doing it your way anymore, God. I'm doing it my way. And suddenly, the beautiful dance turned very, very ugly. Very ugly. That is captured for us in Genesis 3.16, there on the screen. Genesis 3.16 This is after the rebellion of man and women. To the woman, he, God, said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. I just want to pause here. We've got two very pregnant women in the auditorium today. So I'm sorry, ladies. You're past your due date, right? Yeah. And Loli's around here somewhere. At least I think she still is. All right. So I'm sorry, ladies. You're about to experience this. Yeah. So sorry. I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing, and in pain you will bring forth children. But here's the part that's really bad about what happened. Your desire, speaking to the woman, shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. In Genesis 3.16, we learn that the beautiful dance suddenly turns ugly because of the rebellion of Adam and Eve. God cursed them because of their disobedience and the curse affected their marital relationship. The dance was spoiled and every couple since then experiences the pain of stepping on each other's toes. When the Bible says, when God says to the woman, your desire shall be with him, we must interpret that word according to how it's used in Genesis chapter 4, the very next chapter. When God says to Cain, Cain, be careful, for sin's desire is for you. Sin's desire is for Cain in the sense that sin wanted to control Cain and sin wanted to oppose Cain. Ladies, as a result of the fall, you always will struggle with the desire to control and manipulate your husband and resist his leadership. And men, we must have mercy upon our wives because no matter how much they love us and think we hung the moon, there is an enemy within them that says, no way, Jose, not you, and I am going to control you. The salsa dance gets ruined. Remember what the salsa instructor said? The only way this works is men, you lead. Women, you must follow. And if we're both trying to lead, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. But, guys, that same curse says that we shall rule over you. He shall rule over you. So, men, what happens is, instead of leading her graciously and kindly, instead of trying to understand her, we want to dominate her. Listen, male domination, it's part of the curse, not part of creation. And it stinks and it's cowardly and, and, it's, and it's, it's very small men that abuse and dominate their wives. They're not men. 
They're cowards who take their strength and instead of loving and giving their lives for their wife, try to dominate them. Or the other extreme, totally abdicate their leadership and walk out. But what we see here in 1 Peter 3, the blessing that Jesus comes to bring, Jesus who reversed this curse, is that if you will obey the caller, if you will do as the caller is saying, and if you will fulfill the roles that the caller has given you, then I will reverse the curse and bring a blessing. And as God's ambassadors, he's calling us then to live out, to declare and to demonstrate this blessing. As a matter of fact, I think the main point of this text is up on the screen. In Christ, we live out the blessing of his redemption in our marriages rather than the curse. Here's the question. Which one are you living out? The blessing or the curse? Look, I know we all go back and forth. I I go back and forth in my marriage. There are some days that it feels like my marriage was made in heaven. And there are some days that we struggle with a lot of pain. So nobody's perfect here. Nobody. But, but thinking of your marriage, percentages, blessing, curse, beautiful moves, or stepping on each other's toes, metaphorically speaking. Which is it for your marriage? And I pray that God would give you much grace as you hear God's voice this morning. As you hear the caller, as you hear the caller in this passage calling out the steps, and as we obey the caller, We would receive the blessings of Christ in our marriage. Because in Genesis 3.15, before the curse is spoken, God promises a savior. Corey read it during his honoring of moms. By the way, now that's how you honor moms. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. You ladies are heroes. You are warriors. And we respect you. Very much. Wow. But let's go back to that scripture. Genesis 3.15. I will put enmity between you and the woman, speaking to Satan, and between your offspring and her offspring, speaking of Christ. He, Jesus, shall bruise your head. In the garden, he bruised the head of Satan. And you shall bruise his heel. On the cross, he bruised Jesus' heel. But Jesus wins. Jesus wins. Jesus comes. Listen, Jesus hung on the cross to take the curse that Adam and Eve rightly deserved. Jesus hung on that cross so that women could go back to being led and could go back to enjoying their husbands and it could be a beautiful dance so husbands can stop dominating and being jerks with their wives and lead them and love them and lay their lives down for them, which is what Adam should have done in the garden. He should have given his life for Eve. As soon as she sinned, he should have walked up and said, kill me. Let her go. Adam failed, but Jesus, the second Adam, didn't. He did give his life for us. And it's got to get worked out in our marriages. Or the world says, and what? You don't dance any better than we do. But we do in Christ. May God give us that grace. May God give us that grace as we listen to the caller Listen, the word likewise, that first word in, in 1 Peter 3, 1, it connects 1 Peter 3, 1 through 7 with 1 Peter 2, 
See, he had been telling us in 1 Peter 2, submit to the government authorities, be subject to the government. He told masters to submit to their, or slaves to submit to their masters, which translates to us to submitting to our bosses. And then he says in 3.1, likewise, wives, be subject to your husbands. And then in 3.7, likewise, likewise is like a marker. Think of it as an audio marker. Hey, I'm going to be talking to women, likewise, like what? Like I told them to submit to the government, like I told them to submit to their masters. Why? Because you fear me and honor me and you're my ambassadors. See, this is what is at stake here. How are we going to represent God? How are we going to represent God? Well, here's how we do it. How do we follow God? What is the caller saying? Point number one, wives, be subject to your husband. Here comes the move. He calls it out. What are we going to do? (laughs) Frozen. Oh, I don't like that one. God calls out the move. And he calls out the move rooted in creation ordinances. You see, Genesis 1 and 2 tell us this, that the man and the woman are absolutely equal in essence, but differ in roles of authority and submission. Even as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are equally God, yet differ in roles of authority and submission. The Son submits to the Father, and the Spirit submits to the Father and the Son. So as image bearers of God, husbands and wives reflect his image in their relationship. They obey the call. He's the caller. He's calling the move. Are we going to do it or are we going to stand like this, rigid? That's the question here. So instead of seeking control and opposition to their husbands, even their unbelieving husbands, by the way, because if you look at verse 1, it says, so that even if some do not obey the word, that's an unbeliever, wives seek to win them with their respectful and pure conduct. The motivation for this respectful and pure conduct, ladies, is the fear of the Lord, not the fear of the man. Just like it was when we were subject to the government, just like it is from slaves subject to their masters, so it is to the wife. She's submitting to God. She's representing God. Actually, ladies, you have the privilege of imaging Jesus Christ in his submission to God the Father. You you have the distinct privilege, even as Christ. God the Son and God the Father are equal in in being, but God the Son voluntarily submits to God the Father. You have the privilege of imaging God that way. We are equal, friends, men and women, in the fact that we're called to image God, but we image him differently. You know how else we're equal? We are equally in need of a Savior. Men and women are equally in need of a Savior. And yet... Being equal, God is saying to the woman, be subject to your husband. Be subject to your husband. And how is she to be subject to her husband? Well, it plays out when the woman is more concerned with the inner beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit than the outer beauty of jewelry and clothing. Look at verses 3 and 4. Verses 3 and 4. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. That word gentle there, 
as we, as we image God, that word gentle is a word that was used to describe Moses and Jesus. Listen to this quote by Peter Davids in his commentary. Gentle in the Greek world was an amiable friendliness that contrasted with roughness, bad temper, or brusqueness. I mean, if you just think of our culture in South Florida, this is what a woman is in South Florida, apart from Christ. She's dressed up, so it says, look at me. And she typically is brusque, bad-tempered, and rough. The term indicates a person who does not attack back, for he or she waits on God to judge in the end. Knowing God is just, the person can suffer evil without bitterness and vengeance. What's being spoken of here, ladies, is verse 4. The hidden person, do you see that? Of the heart, with the imperishable beauty here. This is a beauty that will never perish. The finest clothes you have in your wardrobe right now, the finest shoes that you have uh, in your closet right now, one day they will perish. One day they will go out of style. But a gentle and quiet spirit will never, ever, ever go out of style, ladies. And it is what God counts as precious at the end of verse 4 which in God's sight is very, very precious. More precious, more costly than the most expensive shoes or purse or handbag or coat or dress you can imagine. Now here's the application. I want to honor the moms at Palm Vista Community Church. I want to honor the ladies at Palm Vista Community Church. Ladies, I think... You honor God this way. I think you have an inner beauty that shines far greater than the outer beauty that our South Florida culture worships. And all the surgeries that are done to try to make it enhanced. And all the products we take so we don't grow old. Listen, your virtue and your beauty is is hidden, it's inner, and in God's sight you are gorgeous. And that never goes out of style. Thank you. But I would also say this, ladies, because we live in South Florida, there's a temptation, isn't there? I mean, it just creeps in, doesn't it? To compare. And so I would just say this, as you inventory your spiritual closet, as you look at your wardrobe, you know how sometimes you go into your wardrobe and say, ah, I'm not wearing that anymore. Nah, that's out of style. Nah, I don't want to do that. And you pull them out. And you update your wardrobe. I would just say, take this as an opportunity to inventory your wardrobe as a wife. And say, Lord, I want to count as precious the fact that you've called me to to image Jesus in his submission to the Father. To image the Spirit in his submission to the Father and the Son. And that I would count that as more precious than anything else. And that you would have just a, a renewed appreciation for that wardrobe. And as you do that, know that there's a cloud of witnesses cheering you on. Look at verses 5 and 6. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. So Hebrews 12 tells us that there's this cloud of witnesses. So there's this balcony in heaven. That's how I imagine it. And all these women, these holy women are standing there. You know, Sarah is the mother of faith, by the way. She's leaning over. Rebecca is next to her. Rachel is next to her. You have Deborah. You have all these holy women. And they're saying, you go, girl. Because I know you live in South Florida. And I know the temptation. 
And I know what you think. And when you look in the mirror, and I know all the other women there. But, but you are living for what the eyes cannot see. And you are beautiful. And I, I get emotional because I, I, I just think I've got three daughters. They are beautiful. I have a wife. She's beautiful. And I'm talking about the beauty that never, ever, ever grows old. Ever. 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 So he's saying to them, you look to those, those, that balcony of witnesses, and you think of Sarah, and you trust God, you hope in God, ladies. You hope in God. Listen, these Old Testament women were strong women. They were strong in faith. They Listen, any old dead fish can float downstream. It takes a strong one to swim upstream. And that's what we're doing here. By God's grace. Ladies, I honor you this morning. And as wives image God by being subject to their husbands, so men, we image God as we honor our wives. Point two, husbands show honor to your wives. Let me read verse seven. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Men, here's the deal. God addresses our issues, which are issues of pride and arrogance, harshness, not listening to them. The very curse that came through Genesis 3.16 It's a temptation for us. Juan Sanchez in his commentary on this passage says this, as the, as with women, Peter tackles men's sinful inclinations head on. Male domination is a result of the curse, not the creation. Male domination is a result of the curse, not the creation. The kind of leadership that God is calling us to exercise men is the leadership that lays our lives down. It is the command to live with an understanding with our wife. That word understanding there is far more than just a knowledge of her. That word understanding goes beyond simply analytics to personal insight that leads us then to care for our wives in Every way in public and in private to include the marriage bed. It brings with it a call to lay our lives down, men, for our wife as Christ laid his life down for his, the church. In fact, the context of Christ and the church is where we see this marriage dance of Genesis 2.24 resurface. Look at Ephesians 5.31-33 on the screen. Here in verse 31, the Apostle Paul is going to quote the marriage dance that was first recorded in Genesis 2.24 at that first wedding when God the Father gave Eve to Adam in that first ceremony and watched as they danced beautifully before him. Paul is now going to quote that verse. And let's listen to what he says. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Here's the meaning. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Wow. So you mean my marriage dance with my wife is actually preaching the gospel, speaking of Christ and the church to a watching culture? Yes, it is. Do you know the steps? 
Are you willing to take the steps? Do you trust the caller? That's the question here. Because Christ has restored what was lost in the curse by becoming a curse for us that we might receive blessing in our marriages and that blessing should be worked out in our marriages. And what does it look like in our marriage? This is what Paul says, similar to what Peter is saying. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself. Men, what he's doing is he's telling us as men that we're to lay our lives down for our wife. He's telling us that we are to be a blessing. In fact, the area that just preceded this in Ephesians 5, he's saying lay your life down for her. He's saying to give your life for her. He's saying as Christ gave his life for the church, so you give your life for your wife. This is God's call. Men, his call on us is to lead, to love, and to lay down our lives. To lay down our lives. This is how Christ reversed the curse. By laying his life down for us. Taking on the curse. So that we then could lay our lives down for our wives. And be blessed. She can't follow if we won't lead. And it makes it really hard to follow if we're harsh in our leadership. Uncaring, unthinking, and selfish. Oh men, what a call. What a call. And Peter gives us two reasons why we need to honor and obey this call. Here are the two reasons. Number one, in verse seven, the first reason is that they are fellow heirs with us of the gift of salvation. Listen, this was a revolutionary concept in the first century. In the first century, given women this kind of dignity and, and right was unheard of. Christianity is what came to give women dignity, and it did. And it's saying to the men that when it comes to God, we are equal. We are equally image bearers and we are equally in need of a savior. How we image him differs, but men remember that. And number two, here's the second reason, men. If we do not honor our wives, then our relationship with God, as it says here, our prayers will be hindered, damaged, disturbed. Men, One's human relationships affect one's heavenly relationships. We cannot say that we love God and not love our neighbor. And that begins with our wives, men. Here's the truth of the matter. As the closest human relationship, the relationship to one's spouse must be most carefully cherished if one wishes a close relationship with God. Let us seek every day to honor our wives, men, and how we speak to them, how we speak about them, how we devote time to them, how we study them and work to build them up and lead them and take dancing lessons with them. And you fill in the blank with what God's leading you to do. Our very submission to God is revealed by these matters, dear brothers. Here's the appeal. Let us live out the blessing of God's creation design for our marriages. This blessing is made possible by the saving work of Christ who became a curse for us that we might live out the blessing he won for us. And the marriage is where we're to live it out in this text today. Jesus came to bring blessings this Mother's Day. He came to teach us how to dance. He came to bring a Mother's Day blessing That reverberates down through all eternity, friends. It's the greatest blessing of all. May our marriages reflect and display this blessing in a beautiful dance that brings glory to our Heavenly Father as He watches on from heaven 
And all the guests are there. They're watching with him. Sarah, Rebecca, Abraham, Jacob, all the ones who went before us. And they're applauding. They're clapping. They're enjoying the dance. Oh, friends, let us pray that God would give us much grace. Father, I pray that you would give us grace this morning as we dance this dance. Lord, I pray that the Mother's Day blessing would be one that reverberates to your honor and glory. I pray you would give hope to couples right now who say, you know, Al, my marriage is a greater part curse than it is blessing. It's 80-20 the wrong way. Lord, give them hope right now. Give humility to the men to say, you know, honey, I'm sorry for being harsh and unthinking and uncaring, for just being selfish, demanding. Give the women humility as they say, sweetheart, forgive me for wanting to, I'm more interested in controlling you and opposing you than leading you and helping you. Lord, give them hope. And Lord, for, for the, maybe the bulk of the marriages that are somewhere uh, on the north side of 50%, it, it's blessing most of the time, but there are times where it feels like a curse. Lord, give them hope that it can get even better. Make a good marriage even better today. May our marriages shine with the glory of the gospel that Jesus reversed the curse and brought a blessing and may people see it and how we treat each other as husband and wives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you would look this way, I would love to bless you. You can stay seated. My friends, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord be your shade on your right hand. The Lord keep you from all evil. The Lord keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth in Christ Jesus and forever. Amen.